And uh, we've got to the start of Matthew chapter 7. So I'm going to read the first six verses. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured against you, to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. So last time I preached, we were looking at uh, what Jesus was saying in verses 1 to 5 about not judging. We saw how easy it was to look at other people, um, maybe other people in church, and start to pick faults in them. And how maybe some of that came from a sense of just wanting to feel a bit better about ourselves, a bit better than they are, a bit superior to them, temporarily making us feel good about ourselves. But um, often this is done in conversation with someone else in the church, maybe behind the person's back. Actually, there's no thought of trying to help them themselves. It's just a case of feeling good. And Jesus was saying, look, instead of obsessing about the small fault in your brother or sister's eye, a splinter or a speck of sawdust, take a look at yourself. Take a look at yourself and sort out the plank in your own eye. It's kind of summed up in Romans 2 uh, and verses 1 to 4, where Paul says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? That's what God's kindness and God's grace is supposed to lead us to, to realize that we don't match up, and to lead us to repentance before God. And when we look at others, to see, actually, they're in the same boat as us. Everyone's got their faults. Everyone's got things which God needs to work on, which need to be sorted out. But actually, we realize we're all in need of God. And we can come and help people, genuinely help people, once we've got the right perspective on it. So, don't judge other people. It all seems fairly clear what Jesus is getting at here in this passage until we get to verse 6. And then he says this, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. And it's this verse I want to look at today. Um, What's Jesus saying? What does he mean? And how does it fit in with what he's just said? I mean, Jesus is speaking in picture language to make his point. And uh, there are two metaphors he uses, two animal metaphors that he uses that are very similar. Um, First of all, he says about dogs, he says, don't give dogs things that are sacred or holy or special. And then he says, and don't give pigs pearls to eat. Why? Why is he saying this? Well, first of all, we need to realize that both dogs and pigs were unclean animals 
to the Jews who would have been hearing um, what Jesus was saying. Um, they didn't keep dogs in the same way as we do. They're not sort of a cuddly sort of animal that you stroke and you enjoy and you have around the house and you give little treats to. Um, actually, they were wild and often went around in packs and devoured things. Um, I was hoping to show a picture um, of some wild dogs um, attacking an, an antelope. Uh, there were those sort of things, wild dogs, that you would actually be quite fearful of. And similarly, pigs, they weren't the cosy sort of image that we might have got now because of films like Babe and uh, TV programs like Peppa Pig, if you've got young kids. Even if you've not got young kids, it's worth watching Peppa Pig because it's good. But <laughs> treat yourself over Christmas. <laughs> but that wasn't, what, that wasn't what Jesus was talking about. Sorry, I must stick to my notes a bit more. <laughs> That wasn't what Jesus was talking about. The pigs, again, were wild and vicious. He's, Jesus is talking about them potentially turning and attacking people. Both animals were seen by the Jews as unclean. And actually, Jews often used both of those words, uh, dog and pig, to describe Gentiles, those who weren't uh, God's chosen people. Although, and, and some people think that that's what Jesus was saying here, that he was describing Gentiles. He wasn't. I don't believe he is, and I haven't got time to go into all the reasons behind that, but that wasn't what Jesus was saying. He wasn't talking about Gentiles or non-Jews. What Jesus was saying was that if you throw holy or sacred things to dogs, they'll just eat them up. If you throw pearls to pigs, they might first of all think you're giving them some food, and then they'll try and crunch on them, and because they're pearls, they'll think, oh, what's that all about? And they'll get angry about it, and they might even turn and attack you because you've not brought them food after all. In either case, they don't realize the value of what is precious. They don't recognize that beautiful pearls should be treasured and treated well, treated as that of great value. They're just treated as rubbish because all pigs are concerned about is the next bit of food. Oh, what's a food? And dogs will just eat anything, whether it's sacred or holy or not. It's a foolish thing to do, to give dogs things that are precious and special. So those are the picture language. That's why he's referring to dogs and pigs. That's what people would have understood about that. So what was he saying to apply... Bless you. What was he, <laughs> what was he saying to, <laughs> to apply to people today or his listeners then what point was he making um and also who are the dogs and pigs today that we mustn't give sacred things to and also how will we know who the dogs and pigs are if we don't if we're not supposed to make a judgment about people jesus has just been talking to us about not judging people well hang on if we don't judge people how do we recognize who different people that Jesus might be referring to are? Those are important questions that we need to answer this morning. Well, working through them in reverse order, we need to see that there's a balance between what Jesus says here in verses 1 to 5 about judging and what he's saying in verse 6. You see, if we just had the first five verses, if it was all about well, we mustn't judge people at all, people in church would be rightly anxious to uh, not express any judgment or discernment on anything. So people could act in, in ways in their life which weren't in line with God's 
kingdom, with a godly person, with what a, a, a follower of Jesus might um, be, be living their lives. And we would just think, oh, well, you know, we're not supposed to judge. We'll just let it go. We'll just accept it. And uh, the yeast, the sort of behave, that behavior would just spread through the whole church. In fact, there are some people who were in church who would take up such a line. And they, they would get very upset when other people, especially leaders, make any comments on, on their lifestyle or the lifestyle of other people. They say, well, it's nothing to do with you. It's, it's just interfering. It's my life. I can live it how I want. And Jesus forgives me. God, God sees me all right. Uh, I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not condemned by my sin anymore. I can live life however I want. Some people would take that line. Also, if we weren't expressing any judgment, other people could start teaching heresies, teaching things which weren't biblically true. And we would all just be very accepting of that. And, oh, okay, yeah, we'll take that on board. And those heresies, those false teachings, would spread. And we do need to be discerning about what is taught, what is truth and what isn't. That's why we encourage people to borrow Bibles and to have their own Bibles, that when we're preaching, to look up the passages themselves. Of course, we do project the verses on the screen as well, which can help people. But um, if no one was checking in their own Bibles, we could just be putting anything up there. It might not even be in the Bible. Or, more pertinently, it could well just be taken totally out of context. We could easily make up or alter the Scripture's emphasis. Let's give you an example. Let's take Psalm uh, 150 and verse 5. So no need to look it up. Um, (laughs) We'll put it up on the screen. Uh, Psalm 150 and verse 5. Okay, what does it say? Because a lot of people, you know, there we are, a lot of people in church life are very concerned about different ways to praise God. They say, you know, well, should, we, should we praise God with traditional music? Should we praise God with lively music, with a band? Well, I can now reveal to you the, the real way that we should praise God. This verse tells us the answer. Psalm 150, verse 5. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. So what's the right way? Absolutely. So what's the right way to praise God? Well, of course, it should be on the cymbals. Um, it, that verse doesn't, it doesn't say anything about any other uh, instrument. It doesn't say anything about singing. That's the way we should do it. We should all get some cymbals. In fact, actually, the most important member of the worship band is the drummer. Um, uh, some of you will be very pleased to hear that, a few drummers here. Um, that's the most important member of the worship band. In fact, they should be the only member of the worship band. Uh, so I think from next week, uh, we should just clear all the rest of it out of the way. We'll just have the drummer there, centre stage, and uh, just make sure you just play the cymbals. We don't want any toms or anything like that. But you praise God on the resounding cymbals. That is how we are to worship God. That's what the Bible tells us. Now, obviously, I hope you all realise that I have taken that verse totally out of its context. Um, the whole passage in Psalm 150 is about different ways to praise God. Praise him in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, for his acts of power, surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with the tram- tambourine and with dancing, praise him with the strings and flutes, praise, praise him with the clash of cymbals and resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, on the screen, just one verse. 
because that's the only one I called up. If you're looking it up in your Bibles, you see the whole thing. And so if I start saying, well, the only way to praise God is on the symbols, you'd be going, hang on, but it says all these other things here. If you've got a wider knowledge of the Bible, you can think, well, it says other things about praising God in different books of the Bible, and you can start to look at those. And you take the whole of what the Bible has got to say um, as what the truth is. It might seem outrageous, it might seem quite funny, but before the Reformation, people didn't have Bibles of their own. And they just had to take what the priest said. And actually, the Bible wasn't even read in people's own language. It was read in Latin. And many Christians died in the fight for the common man, common every one of us, to be able to have a Bible of our own in our own language. People died for that right. And of course, the priests uh, who wanted to teach what they wanted to teach held on to that, and they, and they fought against it. They didn't want people to have the Bible for themselves. We are in the privileged position of having the Word of God that we can read and try and understand, and we can refer to it. But it's very easy to be lazy about it. Oh, I'm not going to look up the passage myself. Oh, I'll, just, I'll just look at the screen. Well, it, for some, it might be just easier to do that. That's fine. But if we all started doing that, it could get very dangerous. It's also very easy to sit at home in front of, and switch on the TV and think, oh, well, God TV. Oh, I'll listen to this preacher on God TV. Or um, Christian radio, preaching on that. And if you're not sitting thinking about it with the Bible in front of you, actually, it's equally just as dangerous because you could, I don't know who, who is preaching on, on God TV and on UCB and things like that. Many of them could be very good preachers. But who knows? I don't know. You don't know. You need to be discerning about things. Don't just soak things up. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to believe what this person says because they've given one verse. It's very important to be discerning. Anyway, that was slightly by way of uh, diversion um, because it was saying about, no, actually it is right to exercise judgment sometimes. Even though the Bible says, uh, verses 1 to 5 say, don't judge We are to judge what people say. If we're preaching something and it's heretical, then it's right for that judgment to come from others in the congregation and there's to be challenged on it and and correction to be brought. But going back to the text, (coughs) the question, who are the dogs or pigs today who Jesus is saying don't throw our pearls or sacred things before And what are the sacred things or the pearls? Well, those sacred things, those pearls, are surely the truth of the gospel. The truth of God's word in Jesus. And and the truth of what we find in scripture, which God has revealed to us. So what, what is Jesus saying? We shouldn't speak the truth of the gospel to people. We shouldn't speak the words of Scripture to people. These dogs, pigs, who are they? Are they unbelievers? Is Jesus saying, don't speak to unbelievers, those who don't see the value of them? That's kind of the logical thought of that. People don't see it as pearls. People don't see it as treasure, as sacred. So we shouldn't preach it to them. Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, my answer to that is yes and no. 
Because Jesus can't be saying that he wants his followers to keep the truth of the gospel from unbelievers. Because elsewhere in the Bible, he doesn't say that. And that's why it's important to look elsewhere in the Bible for things. So we were only hearing the other week Arnold expounding uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 to 16. Let's just remind ourselves of what that says. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, talking about people who don't know the truth. How can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Arnold was saying how important it is to tell people, people who are in darkness, people who don't know the truth of the gospel, don't know the truth about Jesus, they need it explained to them. They need people to preach to them. So Jesus can't be just saying, don't preach to those who don't believe. And Jesus himself, at the end of Matthew's gospel, sends out his disciples. And he famously says in Matthew 28 and verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the ends of the age. So, Jesus is clearly in other parts of the Bible, in other, other teaching that he has, telling people, this good news needs to spread. So what's he meaning here then in verse 6? What's he meaning about don't throw pearls in front of pigs? Well, we have to take into account other passages like Matthew chapter 10. And in Matthew 10, Jesus sends out his disciples, the twelve, to teach and heal and cast out evil spirits. And he says this, uh, we'll read from verse 11 of Matthew chapter 10. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. You've got to search for a worthy person. You've got to exercise some judgment, some discernment. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than on that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Now he's, he's saying to his disciples, be as shrewd as snakes. Be wary, be discerning, make judgments on people, make judgments on houses, yet be as innocent as doves. Hold the two in tension. Go into a house and, and a village and decide, is this home deserving? We've got to make a discernment. We've got to judge something here. What does he mean? What does he mean? It can seem harsh. It can seem very harsh. Shake the dust off your feet. They're dead. Their judgment will be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah's. Ooh, hard. But that's exactly what Jesus is teaching here. Of course, if someone wants to know about God, if someone's open to God and open to discussion, really wanting to get hold of something for themselves, it's very different. And we must be very ready to give an answer for questions that we might receive. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to have an answer for those who ask of you. But when it comes to people who only want to make fun of us 
I not only want to ridicule and slander and insult God in the process, it's then that we are casting our pearls before swine, as the saying goes, coming from here. And if we simply keep on returning and speaking about the beautiful and precious truth of the gospel and just see it trampled on or thrown back at us or twisted in some way, Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't keep going back. Don't keep on bringing this beautiful, wonderful truth before them, only for them to spit it back out at you or even turn and attack you. Sometimes people do ask me questions about what I believe about certain things. And uh, sometimes I just think, you're just trying to trick me. You're just trying to trick me or, or find some way, some little way to ridicule what I believe. And at those points, I think, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm not even going to go there. I might take the conversation on a different track. I might, but I'm thinking, I'm not going to answer that question directly. Jesus responded in very similar ways to the Pharisees, didn't he? They kept asking him religious questions to try and trick him. Not because they wanted to learn, not because they wanted to understand, but because they wanted to attack him. They wanted to find some way to trick him so that they could arrest him, so that they could ultimately kill him. To those who were searching, even Pharisees who were searching, like Nicodemus, he responded very differently. I think we need to get hold of this. Because I believe there can be a lot of needless guilt that people feel. And I would say especially when it comes to speaking to our close friends, or more especially I would say to our unbelieving families. If we have families who are unbelieving, some of them might be very open to what we believe, but some might be very negative and cynical and critical and harsh And we can get into this way of thinking that I'm the only one. I've got to go and keep going back. I've got to go and keep telling the gospel to them. I've got to keep explaining what it is that I believe. And all we're getting back is this criticism and ridicule and harshness. And we think, oh, but if I back off, I'm just going to feel guilty uh, because, oh, who else is going to do it? Who else is going to speak to them? Oh, no, I'm the one. God's put me in their family. I should be the one who speaks to them. Oh, I'll go back again. Now you get all this stuff back again. Look. We don't need to feel guilty. We don't need to feel it's just our responsibility. I believe some people need that lifting off them this morning. That false sense of, I'm the one who can sort it out. No, God's the one who can reach your family or those friends. It may well be that actually they never hear the gospel. They never, they never respond to it. It may well be they do from others. But if their hearts are hardened, you don't have to keep on casting, throwing this precious truth of God before them, only to have it thrown back at you. Yes, by all means, keep on showing them love. Keep on being a good son, being a good daughter, showing them kindness. But don't feel this false sense of responsibility. So there may be people that we don't talk to about the truths of God because we've seen how they will respond. But is Jesus speaking about anyone else here? And I would say, yes, he is. And again, we need to be a bit wise and discerning about this. Because as Christians, we are disposed to think the best about people. We always 
want to think the best about people, especially in church. So if, if people come into the church, we just think, oh, you know, we're automatically going to assume they're, they're great and they, and they believe the same as us and they're hungry for the word and all of these things. But So we take them at their word. We give them the benefit of the doubt. Of course, it's not a bad thing to do. We don't want to go around just being suspicious of every single person who comes in, uh, you know, and uh, you know, if, if you're a guest here, maybe you're here for the first time today. I hope you don't feel that we're just like looking at you and saying, well, who are you? Why are you here? What's all this about? What do you believe? No, we're very glad that you're here. We welcome you. But the Bible does tell us that some people will come along, some people will join with us who don't have that same spirit. And we need to be aware of that. Jesus is going on to speak about that in verse 15 a little bit more. He says, watch out for sheep's, sorry, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words, they look like the rest of us. They look like other Christians. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. We need to take note of verses like that. Jesus is saying people will do that. People will come amongst us who are wolves in sheep's clothing. Their aim is to disrupt the flock, to cause trouble, to bring disunity, to bring grumbling and discontent. It will happen. And we need to be aware of that. Now, I'm not going to go too much into those verses now because obviously we'll come to that in verse 15. But, but the Bible does speak a lot about wisdom and discernment when it comes to judging the motives of others. For example, in, in Colossians uh, chapter 3, we're all encouraged to exercise some discernment. It's kind of implicit in what it says here in verse 16, Colossians 3.16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell rich in, richly in you as you teach and admonish each other <coughs> with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. Oh, it's, that's okay, then we can sing songs now. Oh, that's good. I'm glad I wasn't just thinking it was symbols. I really am glad it wasn't just symbols. <laughs> but it's saying, let the word of Christ dwell in us as we teach each other, but also as we admonish each other, as we pick people up for things, not in a harsh, critical way, not to make ourselves feel better, like we were looking at last time, but actually there is a place for admonishment of each other. How do we do that? With all wisdom. We need wisdom. We need wisdom in how we respond to each other. We need wisdom when we're listening to what other people have got to say. When they're maybe very keen to say their opinion on something, we think, I'm going to exercise a bit of discernment here. I'm not just going to take on board every single thing that they say and agree with them. Does that stack up with what the Bible says? Does that stack up with other truth that we've been hearing? Because false prophets and people will come in to the church. The truth that God has revealed to us in Scripture and through his word is precious pearls. Precious pearls. In Matthew 13 and verse 45, in Matthew 13 and verse verse 45, we hear about the merchant who finds a pearl of such great value, he sells everything he has. Matthew 13, 45 says, again, for, um, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, 
he went away and he sold everything he had and bought it, bought the pearl. Once we see God's truth as that wonderful pearl, once we see all the, all the riches that we find in Scripture, how we can understand God more fully, and knowing that we'll never understand him totally, we'll always be learning more, but we can think, oh, such pearls of, of wisdom and truth that we find in God's words. We love it. When we understand God's grace to us and how he doesn't judge us uh, in Jesus, he brings forgiveness to us in Jesus. He gives us grace through punishing Jesus on the cross and that brings us into a, the, the, the chance to come to know him and to not have our sins held against us. Oh, what wonderful truth. Everything else pales into insignificance. This is what we want more than anything else. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says about pearls and sacred truth. Do we see it like that? Let's think about ourselves. Are we coming to hear the word of God preached on a Sunday with an eagerness to receive it as treasure and pearls? Are we coming thinking, I'm... I can't wait for this to be opened up so I may get a greater understanding of who God is, of what Jesus is like, of what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us. Do we read the scriptures ourselves wanting to get a greater understanding? Do we want to apply this truth to our lives? Or do we just treat it casually? Arnold was saying the other week, oh yeah, another sermon. It's on the production line, you know, just sit through it and then we can get down for a coffee afterwards, really get talking to people, be with our friends. You know, come on, time's getting on, I've got to get off, I want to spend time with my mates. How are we seeing this time? Are we seeing it as things which we can get understanding from, from God? God's revealing things to us. God is revealing things to us. God in heaven, we have... Oh, so long human beings had no access to God at all, such a distance, and now... God has revealed things to us through his word, which we can each have. We can study it. We can get into it ourselves. Do we see it like that? Do we treat it casually? Heaven forbid, do we treat it critically when we hear things on a Sunday? Because scripture contains difficult truths, things that are hard to get hold of. You know, if we come with an attitude of saying, I want to learn from this, God, will you reveal things to me this morning through Scripture? I want to learn. I don't understand this. This is hard. I don't understand why Jesus is one minute saying don't judge and the next minute he's saying to judge. I don't get it. But I want to get it. I want to understand it. God, will you reveal it to me? If we come with that sort of attitude, we will receive it as treasure. When we get some understanding from it, we will think, ah, that's great. I think I've grasped something of that now. I think I've understood something of of, of God's grace towards me or or whatever it might be. It's worth taking the time to get to that point. Pearls are in oysters and they've got to be prized out of the oysters. They've got to have the sand cleaned away from them. It doesn't come easily. But we need to search for those pearls. Of course, the alternative... It's to not recognize the value. To not recognize the value in what is the truth when it's preached. The word of God. Sacred things. And we instead choose to trample them under our feet. Oh, I didn't agree with what Arnold said last Sunday at all. 
We just encourage others not to agree as well. Perhaps we even turn and attack the one who brought it. Verbally, in a letter, in an email. It happens. It happens. People get upset when truth is preached. And they say, I don't like what you're saying about that. I don't like how you're saying that to me. Are you telling me that I'm this, that, or the other? It's the word of God. Sometimes it brings challenge. But it's God wanting to challenge us and shape us and mold us for our good. Jesus says to those who would seek to feed the flock with truth, those who would preach, don't give it out to those people. Don't throw your pearls before pigs. How does that play out then? Sometimes people say to us, it's quite hard to become a member of City Church, isn't it? Why is it so hard to become a member of the church? You know, you've got to to do a course. It's seven consecutive weeks. You've got to come to every one of those weeks. And if you miss one, you've got to wait till the course comes around next time. And it only comes around twice or three times a year. Why are you making it so hard? You know, surely you'd just be saying, oh, great, you're here. Come on, come into membership. Yeah, we'd love to have you on board. Another few would talk them up. You know, we now have got uh, 375 members. Yes, let's go for the 400. You know, let's really go for it. Oh, anyone? Yeah, you're just walking past on the street. Come on in. Sign this membership form. Here you are. You're a member of the church. You know, actually, we're not about members. We don't want to get members like that. We want people who are with us. We want people who are... Who, even, who are prepared to wrestle with difficult things and, and not understand and ask questions. Yeah, oh, that's all good. As long as the heart is, I want to know more. I want to learn. I want to, be, I want to be part of this church. I want, to, I want to go where the church is going. I don't always understand it. I'm provoked and, and, and I find it difficult sometimes, but my heart is to go. That's why we make it difficult. And also, we want, to, we want to get to know people. We don't want people to be coming to membership straight away. People need to know who we are. They need to know what we believe, what we, what, how we see the truth of the Bible. But also, we, we want to get to know other people as well. We want to know people who come in. We want to get to know them just to get a good relationship with them. And, and mostly, it's very positive. But also, there is this element of, we want to know, actually, are you a sheep? Are you someone who, who can follow? Are you someone who is teachable? Or are you a wolf? Or are you a dog? Or are you a pig? You think, Mark, are you calling people wolves, pigs, and dogs who are sitting here maybe? No, Jesus is. He is, that's what he's saying. There will be some here... There will be some among you, some in society, who are wolves. And he's speaking about dogs and pigs. It's Jesus' terms for people. It might sound offensive. Jesus offended people. And we want to understand what he means by this. We want to gather the sheep. There's many lost sheep in our society. Sheep without a shepherd. Oh, God, give us the sheep without a shepherd. Give us the sheep who are prepared to receive the truth and respond to it and learn and be shaped and guided by your word and who can become godly people. Oh, long, bring them to us. We want so many of the sheep. There's those sheep. We, want, we don't want to hold back 
from preaching the truth of the gospel to those sheep. They're lost. They're without a shepherd. But as for the dogs and the pigs and the wolves, actually, we don't want anything to do with them right now because they're going to harm the sheep. The wolves especially, they're going to harm the sheep. And so sometimes we might say, actually, no, you might want to become a member of our church, but we don't think it's right for you. Actually, we, we don't really want you as a member. Harsh, harsh. Or maybe not. It only sounds harsh if you haven't grasped how wonderful this treasure is. This treasure that is to be valued more highly than anything in the world. Oh, you know, we want to we guard that treasure. We want to guard that treasure in our own lives. But we want, as leaders, we want to guard it in, in, in those people who, who are with us. Those members of the church, those sheep. We want to guard it. We, we, we want to watch out for those wolves. And those people who, would, who maybe are the, the dogs and the, and the pigs who would just be critical, not seek to receive it themselves and just mumble and mutter and groan behind people's backs. Oh, I don't agree with that. Oh, you don't want to be believing that. No. We want to guard against that. Not for our benefit. For your benefit. We want to protect you. Sheep can be vulnerable. We want to encourage and teach the sheep. Because this treasure is worth more than anything else. It's a treasure which we are to share with a world who are steeped in poverty. And it's a treasure that's so great that we are so pained when it is rubbished or trod into the ground. I'll ask again as I conclude. Do we see this treasure for what it is? Is that how we see God's word? Is that how we see God's truth when it's proclaimed, when it's preached, even when it's difficult? Even when it's challenging, even when it makes us feel, oh, actually, that's, that's doing something in my spirit. If you're not sure, I would just urge you this morning, open your heart. Open your heart to God and take another look. Yes, let's be people who ask questions. We don't want just people who, would, who don't ask questions. That's Jesus saying, be discerning, ask questions. But be open to what God may be saying to you through his word. And you will receive so much from him. So much. Far beyond anything that the world has to offer. Let's pray.